Hey, this is Jerry Aiken, pastor at Pierce Chapel in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, wherever you may be. I hope that you find the word presented here engaging, informative, and challenging in your walk with Christ. Please check us out online at piercechapel.com. The scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter. I'll be reading chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insecurity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This honor then is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as aliens and exiles, to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that though they may malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when he comes to judge. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This week we're beginning a new sermon series uh, called Aim for Holiness. And uh, we're going to spend a few weeks looking at what that means. What it means to be holy in a world that is very unholy. Uh, When we hear the word holy... Uh, sometimes we get confused about exactly what that means. Sometimes we think holy means perfect, pure, spotless, blameless. And those are certainly good things to, to think of and, and, and good way to maybe measure holiness. But the word holy, as it's used in Scripture, means set apart for a purpose. It means called out of something else and set apart 
for a purpose. So when we talk about this being a holy day, what we're saying is not that this is a perfect day, that it's a blameless day, that it's a pure, undefiled day. What we're saying is that this is a day of worship. It's a day that we have set apart for something different. And it certainly is. Usually throughout the week, we're not gathering together and reading scriptures together and singing songs together. This is a time set apart. Likewise, this place, this is not a perfect building, a perfect room. Certainly, things that happen in here aren't always perfect, but this is still a holy place because it has been set apart for something. It is set apart for us to come and grow together and worship together. So with that in mind, we're going to talk about what it means to continue being a a chosen people, a holy people set apart for God's purpose. Because that's what Peter is saying here. He's writing to the early church, and he's saying, you were called to be something different. The world has its stuff. It has its going-ons, and it's in darkness. But you were called out of that darkness, and you were set apart for something new. So continue to pursue that. Continue to aim for that holiness with the way you live your life so that you are living according to the path God has set out before you and not some other path that you may choose to follow on your own. Now, this is easier said than done, obviously, Pursuing holiness is a lifelong pursuit because we never truly hit the mark. I hope you'll forgive the analogy. I know not everybody likes guns, but uh, this is the only analogy I could think of that, that really fits. Before hunting season, I have to sight in my rifles, meaning you, you put the, the target out there, you look through your scope, and you find the mark that you want to hit. And when you shoot, you realize that you're off, and so you adjust. You tweak the scope a little bit to bring it in, and you, you can bring it up, you can bring it to the left, the right, whatever you need to do until you get it sighted in perfectly, and you can hit that mark when, when you fire. Well, that's all well and good, but the thing is, if you sight in a rifle from 50 yards out, and then you bring that, that target in to 25 yards, you're going to miss it. You're going to have to readjust. Likewise, if you put it 100 yards out, you're going to miss it. You're going to have to readjust. And so you're constantly tweaking depending on where that target is. And the reason why is because there's a fundamental flaw in the rifle. First of all, the scope sits up here and the barrel is below it. So they're never really pointed at the exact same thing. One is angling down, one is angling up. But the other thing is that as that bullet travels through the air past a certain point, it starts to fall. So you have to account for that. So there's a constant tweaking that goes on in order to hit that mark. Again, I hope you'll forgive that analogy, but it is, it is exactly what we are talking about when we talk about aiming for holiness. Because God can put something in front of us and say, this is what I'm calling you into. This is the mark that I want you to hit with your life. This is the behavior I would like for you to, to, to pursue in your life. This is the character that I want you to live into. And we can try to. And just when we feel like we've hit the mark, we realize there's something else that needs to be adjusted. 
There's something else that needs to be retooled a little bit, needs to be tweaked a little bit, and we're in this constant phase of trying to hit the mark. Now, at this point, you may be thinking that hitting the mark requires constant striving, trying. Keep, keep doing, keep working, keep, and eventually you're going to hit true zero. Well, God's way is true zero. That's when everything is sighted in, it's perfectly aligned at any distance. We can never get there. And it's only by God's grace that we can even see the target. It's only by God's grace that we can even see how we need to correct the direction that we are pointing our lives and aiming our, our living And so we keep coming back to it. We keep working on it. We keep tweaking it. And it's not based on our efforts. It's based on God's grace at work within us. Peter tells the church, you have been called to pursue holiness. You have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. So now from here on out, it's all about trying to find that mark. Not, not going back into the darkness that you were called out of, but trying to pursue that mark. And we can't do it without the grace of God that goes before us, it goes with us, and it comes behind us. Grace is an amazing thing because grace works in different ways. There is a grace that prepares us John Wesley called that prevenient grace. It's the grace that that conditions us, that starts to work on our hearts. It's the grace that puts that target out there. It's the grace that calls us into holy living. And every one of us have experienced this prevenient grace. That is God moving you towards something. That is God's call on your life. But a lot of people will never see it. They will never understand it. They will never respond But if you do, if you say, okay, Lord, I see that you're calling me into something different. I see that you're calling me to live my life in a different way. Then that requires a response. And at that moment, when you respond to God's grace, we call that justifying grace. That's where, where things come into line. Things come into focus for you and you are made right in that moment. From there on, We talk about sanctifying grace. That's the grace that continues to tweak, refocus, keep that vision before us, keep coming back to it. And it's a grace that goes on throughout our whole lives. It's a grace that requires us to constantly take inventory of how God is working in and around us so that we can continue to pursue holiness. And we see this in the scriptures. People say, oh, the Old Testament is about law and the New Testament is about grace. No, the the word of God, the Bible is all about grace from one end to the other. When God created the garden, it was not something that was earned. He created it out of love. When God created the world, when he created humanity, God created out of love and out of grace. And when he delivered the people of Israel from Egypt, they were, they were slaves. And he delivered them from that bondage. It wasn't because they earned their freedom. It was because of his grace. He wanted to deliver them. Afterwards, he gave them the law. Grace came first and then the law. 
And the law was not meant to be something that we hang around as an albatross on our neck and think, oh, now I've got to follow all of these rules. No, the law was given because God was saying, look, I have called you out of bondage. I've called you out of darkness. My grace has called you and freed you. And so now if you want to continue living in that grace and continue walking in it and continue moving forward in the path that I've put before you, here are some guidelines that will help you. So when we understand that, we begin to see that all through the scripture, God's grace is at work in his people before, during, and after the life of Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter is saying here because Peter, he's pointing back to Old Testament passages, but he's saying this is talking about Jesus and how your life can be built on this new thing, this new promise, this new covenant to carry you forward. And he says Jesus was the chief cornerstone, a living stone. And oh, by the way, the world rejected him. Because Jesus was not like the darkness. Jesus was not like this flawed system. Jesus was this perfect, living cornerstone that the world wanted nothing to do with. But you've been called out of the world. You've been called out of darkness as living stones to be built up together. And that's the church. We are living stones. We are stones meant to be built up together, but we are alive We are changing and we are growing even as we come together and find that foundation on Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter says. You are holy because you have been called into this. You have been called into something completely different to be set apart from the world. Grace calls us out of darkness. Grace saves our souls and grace continues to build us up around the cornerstone that is Christ Jesus. Now that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. Of course not. All of us are in constant need of refocusing, tweaking, readjusting. And there are times where we may get way off. But that's the good thing about grace is grace continues to reconcile us. Even when we've gone way off, grace continues to act as sort of a course correction. Our choices, our actions, our consequences, our rebellion might take our lives in an unwanted direction. But God and his grace can even take that and make it something good. Are you familiar with uh, the idea of interactive television shows? Some of you. Uh, most, most of you not. This is something that was introduced a few years ago, and, and it hasn't really caught on, I think, like most people thought that it would. But the idea behind an interactive television show is you're watching it. You get to a certain point in the story where it says, what would you like John to do? And it gives you four choices, and you pick. And then the show changes based on what you chose John was going to do. And then you get a little bit further, and it's, how would you like Barbara to respond? And you make a choice. And that, that story keeps changing until you get to the end of it and you realize that you helped steer that story. I'm not a fan of that. That's a little bit too much like real life to me. 
When I watch TV, I want, I want to escape reality for a little bit. I, w- I want to take a break from the decision-making and just see a story that has a beginning, middle, and end and wraps up nicely. And wrapping up nicely is important. Claire and I watched a movie this past week that had all these different storylines going on. And then at the end of the movie, the, the main character was just kind of like, I can't do anything about any of this, and the movie ended. And we were both thinking, what in the world? Like, we, can we get those two hours back? <laughs> Nobody wants to watch a story like that. You want it to wrap up nicely, and you don't want to be the one making all the decisions that guide the story. Unfortunately, that's what real life is. We make decisions, and it changes our story. It changes our direction. But God's grace comes back in and says, Okay, I can bring about a course correction here. I can continue to to put the target of holiness in front of you. Continue to aim for it. God can take your story and he can adjust it so that the past is not going to set you permanently off the mark. And that's true for all of us as individuals and the church. We are living stones coming together to be shaped, to be built up around Christ Jesus. We will still struggle with sin. As John Wesley said, sin remains, but it does not reign. It doesn't have the power over us that it used to. And that's what Peter says here. You've been called out of that. Don't willingly step back into it. Like I was showing with the kids. Poor Tony was probably so dizzy after I spun him around so many times. But when you willingly put that blindfold back on, when you allow the world to shape your thinking and you get spun around by all these other voices that claim to be the voices of truth, you lose your direction. And Peter reminds us, he reminds the church, you've been called out of that. And if you step back into it, you're going to get confused. It can alter your entire sense of reality. That's why the world claims to have one version or maybe even many versions of the truth. And yet God alone holds the absolute truth. And sometimes we try to reconcile those two and we can't find the common ground. I want to tell you a story about something that happened a few years ago. Uh, this was before they, they said COVID-19 is in America. They were saying that this virus existed and it was out there somewhere in, in Italy and in other countries, but it hasn't come here yet. Well, it had come here because I had it. And, and in a very bad way, this was February of 2020. Horrible, horrible. I've never been so sick in my life. I thought I was going to die. I ran a 104-degree temperature for like several days in a row. Nothing would break it. Nothing would bring it down. And so this one night, uh, I was laying in my bed and uh, had been dreaming some weird stuff. But I woke up and, um, well, let, let me tell you, there's two versions of this story. All right, this, I'm telling you my version first. So I woke up. And Claire is standing in the doorway. And she sweetly asks me, are you okay? Is there anything I can get for you? And I responded, I need some water. And she says, okay. And she leaves. And then I wait and I wait 
And she's gone for what feels like forever. And so I get up, try to walk down the hall and get dizzy and fall down. And while I'm on the ground, again, this is my version of the story. While I'm on the ground, she is standing up over me saying, get up. What are you doing? Get up. And I'm laying there thinking, why is she being so mean to me? I just want some water. Okay, that's, that's how I remember it. She tells me that this is how it happened. She came back there and checked on me, and I mumbled some gibberish she couldn't understand. She figured I was still half asleep, and she was going to leave me to rest, so she left me alone. And the next thing she knows, I'm in the hallway just throwing myself down and carrying on, And she's standing over me saying, are you okay? Do I need to take you to the hospital? Can you get up? I don't know which version's right, but... (laughs) That, That version probably was the true version. But I was under the spell of a very high fever. I was half asleep. I had been laying in the dark all this time, I was confused. My judgment was distorted. And so what was true to me, what was very real to me, was not reality. And that happens to us when we get off of God's call to holiness, when we get off of that path of holiness, and we pursue what we think is right, what we feel is right, what we want to do. And that's the lie that the world will tell us is if it feels good to you, if you think it's right, that's your truth. Pursue it. But Christianity says that the Lord Jesus Christ sits on the throne and he sits on the throne of our heart and his truth is the only truth worth aiming for, the only truth worth pursuing. And I don't know about you, but when I look at the world right now, it's pretty crazy. I'm I'm glad to be called a part from some of that foolishness. Over the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take a lie each week that the world offers us. It may be a particular claim or it may be a a certain understanding, a worldview. But we're going to take a lie that the world offers us and we're going to hold that up to what we believe to be the truth Jesus Christ, and what he has to say to us. We're going to hold the world's version of truth up to the absolute truth found in God's word. And my hope is that God's sanctifying grace will continue to be at work within us as we discuss and as we study and pray over these things. And that as living stones called apart to be built up together, My prayer is that we will pursue holiness with renewed fervor and passion and that we will do it together in a way that builds up this church, in a way that builds up Christ's body here, and that together we will aim for what God has laid out before us. Please pray with me. Lord, we thank you for holding the truth. And In this lifetime, Lord, we will never get a full understanding of what the truth is because we are flawed. We will always be 
looking for the truth and always slightly missing the mark, even at our best moments. But you alone hold that absolute truth. So allow your grace to continue to be at work within us so that we can pursue holiness, even as your grace grows us in the right direction. So often, Lord, we have stepped back into darkness, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly. But Lord, we pray that you will continue to put that target before us, that you will continue to remove the blindfold for us and allow us to walk in the path that you have laid out ahead of us. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and check us out online at piercechapel.com. And now may you know the peace, the power, and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Go to love. Go to serve. Go in peace. Amen. Amen.